these. You got joy. It's not about having a new car, more money, a new house, new job. Those things are just stressful, really. They seem good for a while, but then the car breaks. Then there's expectations on the job. Then the house needs repair, right? You have to have salvation in Jesus Christ to have the joy that we're talking about because it's not a feeling. It's a gift of God. It's a decision to accept that joy and to understand it from God's point of view. It's not something the world can give you, even though they try. Number two, what brings joy? After salvation, when I think of the goodness of Jesus and all that he's done for me and how he saved my, my soul from a burning hell. Remember the old sermon illustration we used years ago where there's a bunch of kids on the bus and they're all arguing with each other about how they deserve a better seat and they deserve this and they deserve that and they deserve all this other stuff and better clothes from their mom and dad and a better school and better school lunches and a little missionary son steps up and says, no, y'all deserve hell. That's what you deserve. And if you believe the truthness of the Bible, we all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And the penalty of sin is death. And the place where death is kept is hell. Only in salvation through Jesus Christ can we have life. There's only one way. And we don't deserve it. That's where Christianity is so unfair. You and I don't deserve to have grace and be saved because we have sinned. We don't deserve it. But that's where God's grace gives it to us as a gift. That's what makes Christianity so weird. Because it's so unfair. Because we don't deserve it and God gives it to us anyway. In the fiery furnace, kids, you got joy if you got salvation because of what God's already done for you. In the lion's den, you don't need to be afraid because you got joy. When you're facing that, what seems like that Red Sea and you have no place to go and you can't get across, God is good enough to open up the sea and get you across to the side and give you his joy. In the walls of Jericho where they're mocking you and really ridiculing you because you're militarily walking around that city, blowing trumpets and shouting to overtake them, they're going, you guys are stupid. <laughs> There's joy because we know where God is leading. If you're in prison and stocks and bonds are beaten, if you've got troubles, if you're sick, if you have financial troubles again, problems on the job, if you're in the darkest hour of your life, if you got salvation, then you got joy. If you choose to have it from God, it's a gift that you and I don't deserve again, but God can give it to you. What brings joy after salvation and after realizing all that God has already done for us and given us? What brings joy is to live my life as God has intended me to live it. In obedience and submission to him. God's way, not my way. Yahweh, not my way. Choosing to act upon the knowledge that we now know, it's not just enough to hear it and to know it. We have to act upon it. <clears throat> Growing in faith, seeking that upward call of God, doing what he says, that when you and I have something bad today, we practice what? Rejoicing. We practice rejoicing and again, and again, until we get it right, and we're good at it, right? When things don't go our way, what are we called to do? Rejoice. When I'm faced with a seemingly impossible task that's overwhelming me, I rejoice. When I suffer loss, I choose to rejoice. When I'm wounded in a relationship, 
I choose to rejoice because I'm still in a relationship with Jesus Christ. When the future or even the present seems uncertain, I rejoice because I know my God has a future and a plan for me. When I seem to be all alone and the world's caving in on me, I rejoice because I know at the end of Matthew, God says, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. When all my options in this world seem depleted, I choose to rejoice because God is with me, God has saved me, God is waiting for me, and that is what God has called me to do. Isaiah 12 and Psalm 51. Isaiah 12, verse 2 to 6 says this, Behold, in other words, listen up, billboard time, aha, behold, God is my salvation. Now here in church, that seems pretty easy, right? Well, yeah, of course, that's what we Christians say, God is our salvation. But if you're in a world, what does the world say? Oh no, my salvation is in finances and the money in my bank. Well, God can take that immediately. Well, my salvation is in my family. Well, no, God can take them too. Well, my salvation is my position. Well, God can wipe that out. My salvation is in my possession, all they have. Well, God can take that. You see, for the Christian, our salvation is in God. Not anybody or anything. My salvation is God. I will trust and catch this. I will trust in God and I will not be afraid. Man, how good are we at that? Oh, God, you say don't be afraid. I do that all the time. Liar. I'm scared to death half the time, right? I'm anxious. My muscles tense up. And I'm like, okay, God said don't be afraid. Now is when I got to trust him and not be afraid. And I got to rejoice. I got to switch the gears. I got to quit thinking about my tenseness and my shoulders and my frustration on what's going on. And I got to stop. Because you got to stop going one direction before you can go another direction, right? So I gotta stop doing what I'm doing and focusing on the things now, and I gotta turn around, I gotta start rejoicing and praising the Lord, because God is still God and I am still His. And His word does not fade, and God is the same yesterday, today, and today, and tomorrow. So I gotta do what God says. It says, I will trust and not be afraid, for the Lord God is my strength and my song. Here's that song thing again, right? It's hard to worship when you're wallowing in despair. And he has become my salvation. Therefore, you will joyously draw water from the springs of salvation. And in that day, you will say, give thanks to the Lord, call upon his name, make known his deeds among the people, make them remember that his name is exalted. Praise the Lord in song, for he has done excellent things. Let this be known throughout the earth. Cry aloud and shout for joy, O inhabitant of Zion, for great in your midst is the Holy One of Israel. Great in your midst. In other words, God is right here with you. He's right here with you. And that goes back to the old footprints poems, if you've ever heard it, where there's two sets of footprints walking on the beach, and all of a sudden there's one set of footprints, and a man looks because they were while he was walking with God, and he's like, Lord, why did you leave me? And God's like, what are you talking about? He's like, look, at the hardest part of my life, there's only one set of footprints. You left me. And God says, no, that's when I carried you. That's why there's one set of footprints. It's when I picked you up and carried you. You're in a hard place now? A little wounded relationship, life, news. Then let God carry you. Let God carry you. 
Psalm 51.12 says, Restore to me the joy of your salvation and sustain me with a willing spirit. You see, you got to be willing, right? you got to have that willing spirit to do what God says. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. It's God's salvation. It's not ours. And sustain me with a willing spirit. In other words, here's the practical application. Don't greet each other after church today with a frown. Don't invite someone to church with a crusty look on your face. Hey, you want to go to church with me? It bites for two hours, but you ought to be there. Folks, get some joy. Joy that only God can offer. Because when you've got that joy, it changes your life. When you do what God says, and in the midst of turmoil, you rejoice. In the midst of brokenheartedness, you rejoice. Your mind starts going somewhere else. It stops thinking about the pain and the circumstance and the trouble and all that's going bad, and it starts putting your focus back on God and all that's good. And don't we need that? Don't we need that? When I was in high school, some of you know this story, and I was in wrestling, my parents were divorced. I'm trying to find a way out of the kind of lifestyle my family's living in, and I tried out for football in the scrawny little runt that I was was not big enough or fast enough for football. I made the team. The coach pulls me aside and says, John, proud of you. Tried to get you to quit, but you're going to sit on the sidelines all season. You're never going to play because you're not big enough. You're not fast enough. So they're going to take you down every time. I can't put you in the game. I'm like, oh, what do I do? He's like, find something else. <laughs> so I found wrestling. I could compete weight to weight in wrestling. But I remember even going in there, I was scared because most of these other kids had been in there and they've wrestled for years. They come from wrestling families and they have all this stuff, you know. And I'm like, how do I compete? I don't even have a dad around. Show me some of this stuff. So I remember taking Philippians 4.13 and slapping it on a bunch of note cards. And I had it in my locker. I had it on my card. I'd remember it when I opened my duffel bag and I'd go to wrestling practice and I'd read it again and again and again. Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ, who strengthens me. And that's what carried me through for several years. But you know what I learned in that? As simple and goofy as it sounds, it was that my focus had to be on God providing me the strength and the way to do what I was doing. It wasn't my strength. It was the strength of God empowering me to get me through. But my confidence had to be focused on Him, not on me and my skills. Right? It was on what God wanted to do. And that's what I want you to do this morning. And start practicing rejoicing today. Life goes bad. World turns upside down. Wounded in your heart. Rejoice and get your eyes on God who is faithful and unwavering and will not change. And is with you always and upholds you. Put your eyes on God. As we close, let me give you the opposite, just so you know. See if this sounds familiar. Hear what happens when we don't rejoice and we focus on how bad life is. Joel, not Billy Joel, just Joel. Joel chapter 1. People here weren't rejoicing in God. They weren't looking to God. They were wallowing in their own horrible situation and how much they'd been hurt. And the Bible says this, When you do that, the grain offerings and the drink offerings are cut off from the house of the Lord. The priests are mourning, the ministers of the Lord. The field is ruined, the land mourns. For the grain is ruined and the new wine dries up, fresh oil fails, 
Be ashamed, O farmers, O vine dressers, for the wheat and the barley, because the harvest of the field is destroyed. The vine dries up, and the fig tree fails, the pomegranate, the palm also, and the apple tree. All the trees of the field dry up. Indeed, rejoicing dries up from the sons of men. The one thing that causes all this downward spiral is the lack of rejoicing. You know what the Bible's saying right here? No joy, no harvest. No joy, no harvest. Right? We have to rejoice. In spite of everything, we have to put our focus on God, that He is real, genuine, authentic, and we have to take God at His word and rejoice. So, we get done today, we pray. Guess what the practical application is all week long? Rejoice. Choose to rejoice. No one's going to make you. I'm not going to call you up and be like, Hey, Ellen, did you rejoice today? How many times? Every time something bad happened? Oh, you didn't do it that one time? Oh, we gotta have, I'm going to make you watch the sermon all over again. No, that's not going to happen. I'm going to rejoice. Yeah. <laughs> there you go, Kendall. Rejoice. I'm going to ask you to choose to rejoice because God has given you salvation. God has given you his joy and done so many great things for you. And yet so much is yet to come. And who you are going to be become and be revealed as in Christ is already there now. It's just not revealed. So rejoice. Let's pray. Father, you give us so much to be thankful for and then it just keeps coming and coming and coming. Lord, I pray for us this morning in a practical application this week that we wouldn't look the way of the world, that things and people can make us happy and rejoiceful and content. That only you can, but because of the salvation we have in you and the gift of joy along with the gift of faith, Lord, that we can rejoice. God, help us to practice rejoicing this week till we're blue in the face. <laughs> help us to turn our eyes to you the author and defender of our faith, the sustainer of our life, the one who upholds us in his very hand, the one who protects us and watches over us, who provides for us, who blesses us with all good things from heaven. God, help us to turn to you and rejoice, 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 rejoice always and overcome just as your word is promised because we are doers of the word, not merely hearers. In Jesus' name, God's people said,